You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes! This is me doing a Zach Wackerby impression. This is what I got. Locked On College Football. It is the final Tuesday episode, at least for a while. I am Isaiah Hole. I am the host of Locked On Wolverines, as well as the co-host on Tuesdays with Zach Blackerby. Zach Blackerby is either sick uh, or he never existed in the first place and has been a figment of our imagination all along. And I'm inclined to believe that that's the case. He He's not real. He's never been real. So, anyhow, we are in a very dead, dead period of college football, which is a good reason why this is going on hiatus as a show. This is our last week, if you haven't found out before. Uh, So, this is the last show for a while for me or Zach, unless you want to do the smart thing and go to Lockdown Auburn or Lockdown Wolverines and get your very team-specific fix, or locked on SEC, locked on Big Ten, locked on ACC. We got all those things covered for you. So that's good news. Uh, But obviously, since it is me rolling solo, there's not a lot going on right now. We are in the deadest of dead periods uh, at the moment. Uh, Just going to kind of give you some of my musings as it pertains to college football somewhat in general. Uh, Last week... If you listened last Tuesday, went on to the idea of returning experience plays a big factor and in college football success. That's not the only thing. It's uh, one of those things where it's also the quarterback. So that's that's a huge part. I, I, I'm pretty notorious to some degree to... Over, overestimating what Michigan has because I look at the recruiting. I look at, you know, some degree of the returning players, but part of it is, is I, I look at the recruiting and I look at some of these guys and I'm like, well, this guy hasn't really played, but he's a high-end four-star, maybe he's a five-star. It's going to turn out really well, I think, and it doesn't always work out that way. And one of the things that I just don't necessarily didn't do this particular last year was I didn't look at the situation with Joe Milton with as keen of an eye as I should have. Uh, I thought he was going to be an upgrade on everyone, and I think game one, it seemed like that was going to be the case. And it's not actually what ended up happening. It's really hard to win in college football with a first-year starting quarterback. It's not impossible at all, and it happens. It's like, I'm going to take a look at some of these the the final college football playoff rankings and you can kind of get a pretty good idea for the common factor it's again there are outliers but Alabama won it all Mac Jones wasn't a full-time starter the year before but he played about half the season the year before Clemson Trevor Lawrence we all know about him Justin Fields, returning starter. Ian Book for Notre Dame, returning starter. Kellen Mond for Texas A&M, returning starter. 
Number six, you do have a guy that was getting his first taste of being a starter, and that was Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma. So there's that, but he had a lot of experience around him. Number seven, Kyle Trask, Florida, returning starter. I honestly don't know if Ritter for Cincinnati was a returning starter or not. They're number eight in the final college football playoff rankings. Georgia. Uh, they obviously struggled because they didn't have. Like, they had a great nucleus of a team around them. In the sense that they had an incredible defense, a lot of returning components, a lot of returning offensive components. They lost a lot up front on their offensive line and didn't have any consistency at the quarterback position, whether it was from Dwan Mathis in game one, who was a local product to, to me up here in Michigan. He played for Oak Park. So I've seen plenty of Dwan Mathis. Uh, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, and then eventually JT Daniels. They went 7-2 and two to some degree despite not having elite quarterback play. As much as I want to rip on Georgia, and if you've listened to me, you know that I love doing it. Which is funny, by the way, because I used to spend my summers in Atlanta. I was definitely a Bulldogs fan. Like, because in the era of the early 90s, it was... It wasn't Georgia, Florida that was always being talked about, at least amongst the people that I spent time with in Metro Atlanta. It was Georgia, Georgia Tech. And I did not like Georgia Tech. Sorry. Anyhow. Iowa State, Brock Purdy returning. Indiana, Michael Penix Jr. returning. I know nothing about Coastal Carolina. I barely even got to see them, and their big games weren't even on channels that I got. North Carolina. Uh, I actually didn't really watch any North Carolina this year, so I don't know much about what Mac Brown brought to the table. Northwestern had a not a returning starter for them, but they had a returning starter in Clayton Thorson. Wait, do I have that right? Whatever, they had a returning starter. Clayton Thorson was a couple years before. They had a returning starter, nonetheless. And it wasn't Clayton Thorson, it was Peyton Ramsey from Indiana. Iowa, outlier with Spencer Petrus. BYU, Zach Wilson. There you go. USC, Keaton Slovis. Miami, Derek King. didn't Wasn't a starter for them before, but, you know. Louisiana, I don't know who, if their quarterback was a starter the year before or not. Texas, Sam Ellinger, you get the point. The majority of these teams that were ranked, because now we're starting to get into some teams that uh, I know nothing of. I, I couldn't tell you anything about San Jose State. I couldn't tell you anything about NC State or Tulsa. But you can sense a common theme here, returning starters. It doesn't always work out that way. If you look at 2019, you still, you still, you have some some teams that have some non-returning starters. You look at, you, you know, again, LSU, Joe Burrow, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, but Ohio State had Justin Fields. It was his first year starting, but he had an incredible nucleus of returning players surrounding him. Georgia had Jake Fromm. Oregon had Justin Herbert. Florida was just getting started with Kyle Trask. So, and again, an outlier. Oklahoma, by the way. 
Like I mentioned, like, yeah, they, you know, they had Spencer Rattler this last year. That's, they're one of those teams that, you know, they, they have a new starter every one or two years, but a lot of times they're a grad transfer. This was like the first time in a long time that Oklahoma had a new homegrown talent, essentially, in Spencer Rattler, for who came from Pinnacle, Arizona. So there's a, they, they they are a constant outlier. They they have a system built. Alabama had Tua for another year, although you know that wasn't a. They won eleven and two. They they had some issues a little bit with trying to match what they were doing. You know, without Tua, when Mac Jones kind of came in, Penn State was ranked. Then they had Sean Clifford back. Minnesota was ranked. They had Tanner Morgan back. Wisconsin was ranked. That was a little bit different, again, because, yeah, they had Jack Cohn, uh, who wasn't the starter the year before, but they had Jonathan Taylor. They had a, a really experienced team. Notre Dame, Ian Book. Again, same thing. You look every year, and I'll do it one more time, and see how well my terrible memory works. And see if it's if it's a thing or not. So 2018, Clemson went 15-0 with Trevor Lawrence. He was a first-year starter. So outlier there. Alabama, essentially, first-year starter, Tua Tagovailoa. Ohio State, first-year starter, Dwayne Haskins. So... It's not a tried and true science, but essentially you need because here's the thing: you can sit there and say first year starter Dwayne Haskins, first year starter Tua Tagovailoa, who played a little bit in the championship game the year before, first year starter Trevor Lawrence. These are all guys who ended up being generational talents essentially for their prospective schools. Obviously, so the the biggest thing that you can look at is, like I said last week, returning experience holistically across the board. Outside of that, what you're looking for is essentially, because there is a common theme amongst all of these teams that I've mentioned, period, and that's elite quarterback play. If you don't have elite quarterback play or at least experienced high-level quarterback play, you don't stand a chance to be in those final four or in the top 10 or any of that. So that is what is absolutely necessary to succeed at the next level. Okay. We are going to move on again, more college football musings before we do. However, I got to tell you a little bit of something about RockAuto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like mortgage, food, vacation. Why would you spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store, a chain store or a new car dealership? Listen, rockauto.com, it's a family business. It's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. 
The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and for do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so with that in mind, the things that we just said, uh, I want to take a look at the top 25 as it kind of stands. And I know that we don't really have anything that's really telling us what these teams are necessarily going to be. But we have a way too early top 25, and I'm going off at ESPN here. Mark Schlebaugh. They have Clemson as number one. And I have a hard time seeing that because even though, you know, uh, DJ Uagalele got a little bit of time, uh, got to start for a couple games there with uh, with Lawrence out, do we know that he's the guy that can lead the, lead the pack, push him forward? Likewise, number two, Alabama. How's Bryce Young going to do? They got number three, Oklahoma, and I'm inclined to think Oklahoma is going to be pretty good. However, losing a big, big guy in the secondary in uh, Radley Hiles, their defense, if their defense can be as good as it was this last year, and they, they lost Radley Hiles, they lost Trey Brown, they lost Trey Norwood, they lost Ronnie Perkins. But, I mean, they have six offensive st- returners on starters, uh, returning starters, two, or eight on defense and two on special teams. So that's really good. In that, With that in mind, Alabama only returns four on offense but nine on defense. So they, they better be really good defensively. Clemson returns five on offense, ten on defense. These are going to be teams that need to lead with their defense. But does, is college football that anymore? I don't know. Number four is Georgia, and I think Georgia very well could be really, really good. When you've got JT Daniels starting, you've got nine offensive starters returning. You only have five on defense, but again, this is an offensive league, so is Kirby Smart going to open it up? Are you going to get away from the ground and pound? I think in today's college football, you really need to be way more pass-happy. Yeah, you can run to pass, but you've got to be way more pass happy. You got to be a little bit further away from the pro style and more into what you see just kind of in general. I mean, you can have a, a hybrid, a pro spread. You can have a pro style with some spread elements, but you you cannot just have an offense based out of 1954 and expect to do anything in today's college football, which is one of the reasons why Georgia just underachieves I think even like with Jake Fromm like I feel like if they had a more dynamic offense in 2017 the 2016 season or whatever that was that was 2017 season going to 2018 I think they could have beaten Alabama but again they just they weren't nearly dynamic enough Ohio State's number five they lose a ton 
they bring back Chris Olave. They lose pretty much the whole offensive line. They lose a lot of defensive players. We don't know how C.J. Stroud is going to perform. I don't believe I don't recall having seen C.J. Stroud at all this year. But again, like Alabama, like Clemson, these are teams that just reload. So you get they get the benefit of the doubt. Texas A&M loses Kellen Mond. Half their team is essentially gone. Half their team is essentially coming back. I would bet they're going to take a step back. But that's just me. North Carolina returns so many players. 18 out of 22. I bet you North Carolina is going to be really good. Iowa's going to be real. Or sorry, Iowa State's going to be really good. They return Brock Purdy. They return Brees Hall. They've got 10 on offense and 8 on defense coming back. Again, 18 out of 22. You can take it to the bank that Iowa State is going to be a force in the ACC. And then you look at USC, number 9, in the way too early top 25. They return nine, uh, 18 got, uh, again. No, sorry, 16. My math is fuzzy there. But Keaton Slovis, back. I'm going to round up the top 10, and we'll continue on the other end with just thoughts. We're not just going to roll through every team. But Indiana, they lose Watt Fillier, but they return 19 players on their team. They add a guy in Zach Carpenter who got a start for Michigan to replace Harry Kreider. They are loaded. Michael Penix back. Indiana, I don't think, is going to go away. So, anyhow, is there is there a tried and true way to determine what you're going to be in college football? I think there is, but I don't know that anyone's overcoming the big dogs. We'll get into that here in just a second. But betonline.ag. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards shows, TV shows, reality TV, anything your little heart desires. Real-time updated odds, props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, the scores, the odds. It is the best way to place your bets. And guess what? It's free to sign up. So head over to BetOnline.ag. You can use your computer, you can use your mobile device, whatever you want. Sign up today. Put in promo code LOCKDOWN. Receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so when we look at college football as a whole, it is truly a rich get richer type scenario because Look at just at the college football playoff era. Starting in 2014, who were those four teams? Florida State, Oregon, Ohio State, Alabama. That's the only time Florida State's been in it. It's the only time Oregon's been in it. The next year, 2015, it was Michigan State, their only year. Alabama, Clemson. I fail to remember the other team. The next year, Ohio State, Clemson, 
Washington, Alabama. You're sensing a theme. Clemson, Alabama. Ohio State had a couple years where they weren't in it. Oklahoma's been in it a bit. Notre Dame's had a couple of appearances now. Although, at the risk of upsetting Notre Dame fans, I'm going to say that, like, this last year, there was no way you couldn't put them in, I think. Kind of same to the other year they were in. Notre Dame is just always in a precarious situation because, number one, they don't usually play a schedule that is necessarily as difficult top to bottom. But the higher end of the teams they play, theoretically, should be better than the the teams that a lot of others have to play. Because they do have to, they they play a couple really big non-conference games. They play USC every year and things of that nature. So it always looks impressive. I think back to 2012, they put, you know they beat Oklahoma, they beat Michigan, they beat USC. None of those teams were very good though. But like you, in in. If you're going back to, like, 2002, then, yeah, that's, like, wow. Okay, cool. Wow, you beat Michigan, Oklahoma, and USC all in the same year? You've got to be incredible at that point. Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, but Notre Dame is just always in a position where I feel like it's not as good as the other teams and gets in. But... You can't apologize for your schedule. Your schedule is a schedule. They do great things with it, and they get in. Nonetheless, they're an outlier in my eyes. So, really, you have three big bads when it comes to college football. Like I said, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. Oklahoma's on that cusp, but they also do nothing when they get into the college football playoffs. But now that they have a defense, maybe. So it comes down to a couple different things. It comes down to recruiting is the biggest thing because that's what these teams are doing that other teams aren't doing. And that's why I really slam Georgia all the time because you know what? Georgia's recruiting better. Like the, the, What they've done in the last like five years is better than any team in the country as far as bringing in top talent. They have more five stars on their roster than any other team in the country. They should be running away with things, but they aren't. So you need coaching as well. And obviously, you've got that at the the big three, the big bats. But I, I think a lot of these other teams have an opportunity because of the transfer portal. Because I feel like this year you're seeing more movement than I feel like you've ever seen before. It's insane. It's really difficult to even keep track of. Because, I mean, you have situations like what's going on in Tennessee. You have situations like, uh, you know, you, I, I mean, I look at Michigan. Joe Milton's out. What went from looking like it was going to be a three-way battle of quarterback is quickly down to two. And I think he's going to be a lot better than Michigan fans give him credit for or even people in the Big Ten. Just watch. You've got, like I said, the Tennessee situation. Henry Tutu is out. Uh, Quavaris Crouch out. These are high-level high impact players that have experience that you can just plug in and that's when I look at like a team like Indiana a lot of returning experience they went and get Zach Carpenter no he might not be the biggest name guy but he was considered Michigan's center of the future you plug in a couple guys here and there 
you are in prime position. And then the only next thing is you got to sustain it. But you've got to keep the recruiting going. Because if you look at the recruiting rankings on a year-by-year basis, it's always really, really high for those three teams that I mentioned. Just look at 2021. Top five, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Clemson. Look at 2020. Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Ohio State. Same five, different order. Look at 2019. Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU. So that tells you that, you know, maybe once these guys from Texas and Texas A&M come of age, they should be pretty good. LSU's clearly recruiting on that level. They're right there. Their problem is they got to take down Alabama. It's the same issue for Michigan, even though Michigan, you know, will drop some against uh, Penn State and Wisconsin. Usually it's every other year. It didn't happen that way this last year. But essentially, they've got to overcome the the biggest bat of them all in Alabama. So that's that's something that you got to overcome. 2018, the guys who have, are really coming of age, the upperclassmen at this point. Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, USC, and Alabama. You can kind of get a glimpse by looking at recruiting rankings at who should be really good. Georgia, again, my eyes are on you. But there's a reason why Ohio State and Alabama continue to be really good. Clemson's number seven that year. So you put that type of talent together on a year-by-year basis you are really doing yourself a service. Texas might be right there, and we'll see what Steve Sarkeesian can do because they have got a ton of talent, and, you know, they've been recruiting really, really well for being a team that's not really put it together on the field. So as far as the future is concerned, what teams can be those next can add to those big bad lists? Georgia, Texas, and I think that's probably those are probably the two that I have my eye on LSU as well. Obviously LSU has a national championship recently, but last year makes you forget about it. Anyway, that's it. That's the end of the Tuesday run for Zach Blackerby and I, you can find him on locked on Auburn. Find me at locked on Wolverines or at Wolverines Appreciate you following along. Don't be surprised if we're back come college football season, but for now, this was Locked On College Football. You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.